What if everything you thought and believed about successful buying, selling, and financing your home was wrong? Welcome to HomeWise with Michael Midget. This is where you can count on straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. Whether it's buying, selling, or financing, even maintaining and growing its value along the way. Coming to you from the News Talk STL studios at Union Station in St. Louis. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stal Pontikas, and I'm joined by the creator and host of the show, Michael Midget. Michael, good to see you, my friend. Hey, Stal, how are you? Doing fine, thank you. We've got a barn burner today, let me tell you. So, coming off last week's show, that was a big one. It was. That was we fun last week. stung some, we, we touched a nerve, I think. Good. So, and rightly so, because it's just, you know, it's not, uh, I mean, I wasn't guessing with that. I know just from dealing with people what they are sensitive to, what they're not, and that is one of the things they are sensitive to, the buying and selling of their credit information and uh, used for marketing purposes, and they don't know why. Mm. Causes a lot of confusion, but today this, this is... This is probably the ultimate confusion that I've ever seen with regards to a story in my industry, an industry which, you know, it's mortgage and it's real estate, right? So, I mean, how much, like, there's, how much can there actually be there? You know, there's not, it's not a subject that is very, like, electric, you know, like, uh, like if you're reporting the news, well, today we have some news to report uh, you might just be hearing about it for the first time. You might have been hearing about it for a few days, but it's the mortgage fiasco debacle about who's getting charged what and why and who's paying more and who's paying less and it doesn't make sense and we're going to sort all that out today. But um, the, to make a long story short, uh, rates on some borrowers are going up. Rates on other borrowers are going down, but it's not the ones that you think would be going up or down. Aha. It doesn't make sense. Okay. um, There's a ton of confusion on this. Uh, Anything from just, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's sloppy wording or a headline written to garner interest, you know, clickbaity kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. all the way up to downright lies. Okay. So um, we are going to tear into this today. I've studied the changes myself. I've been looking at them for a while. Um, I have not dug into them as deeply as I did in preparing for this yesterday because we've been fighting this at an industry level, uh, mortgage brokers, mortgage bankers, mortgage lenders, banks, credit, everybody is, has, is, is fighting this. What we are going to talk about today most of what you have heard revolves around credit scores and down payments as affecting what you're going to pay. Truth is, that's only half the story. There's a whole nother grid of things that are going to affect what you pay. Uh, one of those things we actually have successfully gotten pushed off, not killed or squashed, at least not yet, but pushed off, and that was the, uh, the uh, debt ratio. So there was going to be, remember how I said that debt ratio used to be a pass or fail test. There was no effect on your rate as far as what you were going to pay based on if you if you were had like no bills and a very small mortgage payment compared to somebody that just barely squeaked under the, the wire and qualified. It's a pass or fail test. Everybody pays the same. 
not true anymore. There is a point at which you're going to pay surcharge. We just call it a surcharge at this point, but um, for having that higher debt ratio, that has been, it's on a stay, right? <laughs> like a stay of execution. Um, <laughs> it's been pushed off. It, it was supposed to go into effect. It has not gone into effect. It, if you think this is confusing and going to be difficult to implement into the pre-approval process, that further complicates things. So it's good news it's been pushed off, but just to let you know, we are, we are fighting this, but part of me bringing this to you is just, again, you know, we see what we see in the news. We hear what we hear when we're not an insider. We don't really know what to think. And just a lot of the headlines are misleading to say the least. Some of them are false lies and we're going to, we're going to tear that, tear that apart. Okay. So what are we talking about here? Again, long story short, possibly the worst time ever this could happen. Um, rates are going to go up for some borrowers. All right. Most conventional borrowers will say, all right, compared to what they were a few months prior. All right. So um, also let me say this affects conventional loans only, not FHA loans. All right. So if you remember, uh, FHA got a price decrease in the form of reduced mortgage insurance premiums, the required mortgage insurance, the monthly got cut in almost in half uh, a couple months ago, uh, winds up being a big reduction uh, for FHA loans. This is only for conventional loans, loans that are delivered to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. All right. So when a loan is delivered to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, there's, there is a fee attached to it. All right. The borrower doesn't pay that fee. It's the fee that the lender that sells that loan into the pool has to pay. That fee um, is based on the characteristics of that loan. All right. So there's a lot of characteristics that feed into that, but let's just focus on two to keep it as simple as they possibly can. Uh, credit score. Okay. So last week we were talking about credit scores. Last two weeks we've been talking about credit scores. So credit scores feed into that and basically how big of a down payment. We're talking about a purchase money loan, right? Down payment. It's the uh, your equity position in the property. Generally speaking, the better qualified you are, okay, the less risky your loan is, um, your rates are generally going up, all right? And conversely, <laughs> uh, lower credit scores, lower down payments, loans that are considered more risky, those rates are going down, compared to what they were before. Okay, now let's stop right there and let's take a step back. What you will see reported out there simply states um, rates for higher credit borrowers are going up and rates for lower credit borrowers are going down, okay? Generally, that is true if you look at it in comparison to the previous, previous rates, right? So I just said that when a loan gets sold into a pool, there is a fee associated with it. The fee associated with higher credit scores and larger down payments is going up more. <laughs> well, they're going up, all right, but they're going up more than the fees associated with the lower credit scores and the smaller down payments, which sounds backwards, okay? We're going to talk about risk-based pricing here again in a minute. Sounds like a complicated concept, but it's not. It makes to total perfect common sense, right? which if you apply total perfect common sense to this <laughs> subject, you will come to the same conclusion that myself and everyone else in my industry is like, what the hell's going on, 
right? So, um, oh, <laughs> and for the icing on the cake, right? So you, th- you thought that was bad? Okay, so there's more here, all right? Um, if your income is below the average median income for the county of the house that you're going to buy, mm. looking at buying, then the fee associated with the loan when it gets sold to Fannie Mae gets waived, all right? So what does that mean? That means that if you make at or below the average income, which here in St. Louis County is like upper 90,000s, the exact number escapes me, which you can find it online. Um, it's like 90, it's, let's just call it a little under 100,000, 100, all right? So if you make under 100,000, um, you can get these all waived, all right, which can be a big deal. If you make just over that or way over that, then you have to pay these fees, right? So the fees can range anywhere from, you know, on the low end, about a, uh, about a half a point on the loan, all the way up to upwards of two to three points on a, on a loan, all right? Now, something else you will hear uh, reported is, and they will, they, actually, you don't hear this report. You'll hear it left out. Um, because when they say that rates are going up for better credit borrowers are going down for lower for lower credit borrowers, they're talking about the comparison. Okay, now, but overall, it's still if you have better credit, you're going to pay a lower rate. All right, it's just that <laughs> the spread between having good credit and less than perfect credit used to be enormous gargantuan mm. like there was a point where you would stop looking at conventional and you would go to fha right so that's why that break even that 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 break off point exists we've talked about that on the show before which you can catch all the previous episodes at homewiseradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts um you uh anyway so those break-even points are about used to be about six eighty. All right, I don't know where they're going to end up now because it's there are so many variables coming in there. We literally have to look at loans on a case by case basis to be able to tell where 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 somebody should be. So now more than ever, it's important to have somebody that's experienced, somebody that's going to do an analysis somebody that knows the ins and outs of this, somebody that has your best interests at heart, somebody that's just willing to do the work and gives enough of a poop <laughs> to, <laughs> to put themselves in your shoes and do what mm-hmm. they would do for you that mm-hmm. they would do for themselves, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the way I like, I like to look at things, by the way. Um, we're going to have a guest in our second segment today, and I will generally only work with people, my partners, that do that same thing, right? So they all have my full trust. We are going to explore all of that. But, you know, when you sum all this up, it just doesn't make sense, right? What's going on? All right. Well, it's not that complicated. Okay. You'll now the, the, the news can complicate this immensely, but let's just, let's keep it simple. All right. It's a money grab. Okay. They need money just like everybody else does. Okay. So you've been hearing about you know, the worst real estate market in 20, 30, 40, however many years in the story that you're reading, right? It's true. It's bad. It's as bad as it's ever been since um, we started keeping track, 
of this stuff. Sales are down. Um, prices are up. Affordability is down because rates are up. Prices and rates up. Income's not keeping pace. That affordability formula, which we've talked about before, um, it just it makes it difficult for uh, people people to buy. So fewer deals are getting done. Hmm. So that hurts the people on the front lines, right? So the real estate agent, it hurts people like me. It hurts the the intermediaries like the wholesale lenders, the, the banks and the credit unions and that. Well, it also hurts the agencies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, because they are in a the business. They're not, not for profit. They make money by creating these pools. If they have fewer loans coming into the pools, they don't, they're not generating the revenue that they were generating before. So... There comes a certain point where, hey, we have to generate more revenue. How do we do that? We need to raise our prices, okay? So when they go out into the pools and they look at, okay, well, how can we best do this? Well, maybe they left out the word best. I don't know, but how do we do this? <laughs> what did they do? And when it's, okay, we need to raise costs. We need to raise prices, which I, I don't like it, but I don't have a problem with that because that makes sense, right? You can, you, you can stand behind that. The problem comes in when they say, okay, who's going to pay more, and but only you are going to pay more. This other group is going to pay less. And when you look at it, it's the group that is paying less that was paying more before, meaning the lower credit qualified, the smaller down payments and all that were, are being favored now, or maybe we should say penalize less now than they were before. People with better credit scores, people with larger down payments are being penalized more than before, right? So uh, in some cases, upwards of almost a point more, which is enormous, which is enormous on a loan. I mean, it can be on the short side anywhere from an eighth to a quarter, maybe even three-eighths of a percent on the interest rate and that translates, depending on what your loan amount is, but that can translate anywhere from $30, $50, $60 a month. Well, I see people make borrowing decisions based on $40, $50, $60 a month. Now to have that payment artificially, I say artificially because this is not market-based, this was a decision at, you know, this is just, this is legislation. Like, you know, um, They've just willed it into just they decided to to pass this or whatever. Um, it wouldn't have to be done, but they're doing it. So anyway, um, just real quick, the risk-based pricing, um, it works like this. It's simple. The ones who pay, pay for the ones who don't. Hmm. Okay. So if you're going to give one group a break, you have to take it from somewhere else. All right. Um when it comes to credit score, credit score is really the thing that enables risk-based pricing to happen. It's the quantification of risk into a number that can be applied uniformly across, across a group of loans. Um, Higher-risk loans should have higher rates for them. Lower-risk loans should have lower rates for them. Why? Well, one, because it makes sense. But see, the way the math works out is – when you have riskier loans, they're riskier. The result of them being riskier, that riskier because we said they're riskier. They're riskier because we looked at the performance of those loans 
And the performance of those loans, meaning the people who pay and the ones who don't, dictate that these default or they're delinquent to a higher degree than the other ones, right, than the less risky ones. They're less risky because they're not <laughs> delinquent to the, same, to the same degree. And then when you look at, oh, these have generally have better credit scores. These generally have larger equity positions or have made larger down payments. Therefore, we look at those and we see less risk, r- less risky buckets. So when it comes to the way you're going to price that loan, one, you can afford to give them a better rate because you don't have as many who aren't paying <laughs> to pay for right, by the ones who are paying, right? So there's more people paying. There's less people not paying. There's just less, there, you, know, there, you know, there's less weight, dead weight there to carry, mm. right? So they could afford to have that. But there's also another, another thing, and it's you got to dig a little deeper for it, right? And it's, it's kind of the issue that I have with most of this is has to do with encouragement, Okay. There are, when first-time buyers come into the market, people who haven't bought before, people that want to know, how do I get the best rate? How do I get the best deal? How do I, how do, I do this? Like, how, how should I go about this? You know, keep a good credit score, save up money for a down payment. That's how you get the best deal that you can. So people have been incentivized to do that based on the way the system was, Right. That helps to reduce risk overall. It helps us to avoid things that happened 15 years ago, like the 2008 crisis. Okay. So now to come along and that whole, you know, uh, that whole deal has been upset now because if you look at the grid, you're not penalizing, at least in my, to the degree that before the, the people that are fall into those riskier buckets for whatever reason, are not paying their proportionate share of the risk that they bring to bring, bring to the pools. Mm-hmm. The point of all that is to try and get more people into the housing market to do things that are good for that for that group of people. And th- don't get me wrong, I am I'm all for that. All right, I love to promote home ownership. I think that it's good. I I, I like to help less fortunate people. I want to do what I can for them without hurting them. Okay, but more importantly, I want to do it without hurting the other people, right? So the better credit, the larger down payments, which are the form the foundation of those loan pools, the bread and butter, if you will, the middle, the solid middle, the ones that make everything else work, (laughs) the ones that make everything else work out. And so if you raise their costs, some of those people are going to not show up. Sure. To buy, right? So I can tell you right now, there's people out there who finance because it makes sense to finance. There's a point at which it does not make sense to finance anymore, mathematically spreadsheet on a piece of paper. There's another group of people out there that that, um, will just say, well, you know, that's BS. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm paying, I'm paying my loan. I'm out, you know, because that's what they believe. So, there's Murphy's law, you know, the law of unintended consequences, right? Um, we're going to see how that's going to play out here. All right, but let's go to break. Okay. And we're going to tie this together, see what's going on in the real estate market and make some predictions on what, I, what we think is going to happen, happen there. Okay. Okay. We'll take this quick break. 
You're listening to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stel Pontikas. That's the creator and host of the show, Michael Midget. And we will be right back in a moment. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. Welcome back. I'm Stel Pontikas, and I'm joined by the creator and host of the show, Michael Midget. And uh, Michael, we've got a special guest your chance to do the introduction here, my friend. We do, Stell. We do. We are back to having guests on the show. Um, welcome, Angie Wilder. Thank you. Back to the Thanks show. For You've having been on me. here before. Hey, you're welcome. Angie is with Realty Executives. And um, why don't you give us your contact information at the beginning here, just so Hi. that who knows where we're going to go. <laughs> okay. So my name is Angie Wilder with Realty Executives of St. Louis. Um, I've been in real estate since about... 2012. So I wasn't so long around for the crash, but <laughs> um, my cell phone number is 573-579-6548. And my email address is angiewildersells at gmail.com. And I just usually go to angiewilder.com because that's about all I can remember. <laughs> there you go. Hey, if it makes it easy enough, sure. If it works. Yep. Well, there's all kinds of information there, so you should go check it out. So, um, so this is a hot topic today. It's yes. a big deal. This story's blown up all over the place, um, and for the most part, the headlines are getting it wrong. I want to know uh, how that is going to play into the market here, especially locally, but Let's get us bring us all up to date on what is actually going on in the market now. Well, right now it is very busy. Um, we are seeing listings starting to come back on market, whereas inventory got very low in the fall and winter okay. months. Um, there are buyers ready, willing, and able to purchase, um, just not enough inventory out there for everyone. Right. So there's a lot of buyers. Right. Just, Qualified just to give buyers. you an example, right. I had an offer out yesterday, 17 <laughs> offers received on one house. So we're still looking at multiple offer mm. situations. Absolutely. Mm. I think, I don't think that's going to change through the summer, spring and summer months. Yeah. I, you know, it just, there it's it's supply and demand and so you know prices are not going to come down until that balances out so it makes sense it makes sense and i mean right now i have a handful of buyers looking and so are they like what are they do they skew towards any part of the market like first time versus you know I um, have a couple first-time home buyers. I have a couple um, relocators, and um, I have another couple who already own a home and are just moving up, getting okay. bigger. So it sounds like evenly spread across the spectrum. Just people, people want to buy. Yes. So. <laughs> Um, so who wants to sell? Well, right. So we need houses. So folks, if you are thinking about selling and you're not sure or you don't know how it works with, oh, if we sell, we got to move and, you know, like all that, just it makes more sense to call and talk to a professional. I personally have worked with Angie on numerous deals where we have done that carefully orchestrated 
thing. Buy it, and sell. It's yeah, and together, it's and, simultaneously. and there, yeah, there are a dozen different ways to do that. Um, in fact, one comes to mind that was particularly complicated, but um, where they were, they needed to sell. To I'm not buy. sure it's ever easy. Well, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm sometimes I had this nasty habit of inter dis, interplace replacing simple and easy together. Right, it's our uncomplicated. You know, sure. it's simple to understand, not easy to do. So. Um, but there was one where they they where they moved. Um, they really needed to sell in order to move, so we had to do a bridge because that's where their cash was, right? Mm-hmm. But the house they were moving out of was not ready to sell, and you don't, you know, they were in a position where they didn't have to put it on the market to dump it to get something. You know, they could afford to do Wait a little the, and you know, do it right. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there was you know some simple repairs, but things that you wouldn't. Uh, want to put a house on a market without doing so they could get top dollar for it still because it's a good market where you can still get top dollar where um, <laughs> they had to, you know, so it was a, it was a move, fix up, sell, then take proceeds, pay down and recast over the course of a few months. And, oh, it sounds easy now that I just said it like that. <laughs> as, you're, as you're putting that together, you know, well, like, oh. I don't oh, think those pieces are ever yeah, easy. Yeah, they're not. Well, because most of that falls on you. I mean, honestly, it's the realtors that make that happen. I mean, my job, I don't, it's not easy <laughs> or simple. But I don't, I mean, that is definitely spinning multiple plates, juggling, you know, different things. So it's, that's, that's a big deal. But it I can think. work. And I think that scares a lot of people it going does. in. It does. Um, it's but the, it shouldn't. I mean, you yeah. should call someone, have the conversation. That costs nothing. Exactly. It's the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what you don't know. Or worse, you're talking to your brother-in-law, your neighbor, and they, oh, no, that's not, you know, you got to do, uh, yeah, you know, like one of those, one of those things. And so I you get this. I know a couple this, of those yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you get, you know, you get this idea in your mind that, you know, from somebody, I mean, they, they were sharing an experience that, you know, was probably accurate, but it may not have been the best experience because maybe the person that they were working with or group that they were working with weren't experienced or didn't handle it as well. And I'm trying to be nice about it because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. It can look easy, but it, it takes a fine science. You have to determine what's needed for the house that they have to sell, how much time you need in between, how long is too long, how long it's going to take to sell the house. You have to put all those factors together. Yep. And so now we have this increased complication in there. So we already... You know, we have a lot of buyers in the market. We're struggling to get sellers. Prices are still up, right? Well, guess what? Rates are still up, too. And as we just talked about, they're going they're up. They're going Right? Up. Well, actually, if you have been pre-approved or priced within the last month or so, um, you guy may not have, or gal may not have told you this, but that pricing hike has already been figured into because it's for loans that are delivered after May 1st. That means delivered to the agencies, not closed or anything, but the loan delivered. There's a lag time between when a lender closes a loan and when they package it together with the other loans and they deliver it. So they've been adding these charges on for about a month or so. Okay. So it's not, it's new, but it's not like that 
new. I mean, I've actually referenced this a few times. I just thought, you know, we were successful in getting the the debt to income thing pushed off. I thought we were going to get this pushed off also, at least a stay (laughs) push it. But um, especially given the market, right? Because it hurts affordability. It's, it makes it harder. So we're talking about this orchestration of these, you know, complicated moves or people, you know, they need to, you know, they need to get pre-approved to do this. Higher rates makes that harder to do. Absolutely. It, makes it, it, makes it. it can sometimes raise um, a monthly payment, what, by several hundred dollars. Good. And that can knock people Good. out of the running for that uh, price point that they're looking for. Everybody wants moving ready. They don't want to have to come in and make any changes. They just want to move. And a lot of times, you know, they have to start looking lesser than what they're fully approved for because we are competing. So right. you have to be able to how, show up. How does how does how do you cuz that that's a that's a huge that's a huge point is being able to compete because just like you said, 17 offers on a house and maybe that's an outlier, but it, to hear at least multiple offers, like more than one, like you're not the, if you're going to make an offer on a house, you're not the only one, most likely. <laughs> if it's a house, it's like you want, other people are probably going to want it too. Sure. Um, how do you, how do you be competitive? It, like from a- There's so many ways. Okay. Um. So just from an agent to agent standpoint, I I contact the agent oh. directly, not via text. I give her a right. call. So it could be who you call. know. Too. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I become friendly, and if I don't know the agent, obviously I call more and I ask questions, and then they are familiar with me once I do deliver something. So I feel like that is a huge game changer. So you need someone who's willing to communicate. Um, I mean, aside from contractual agreements and terms that you're putting in and offering the sellers, that's a huge thing Um, because then they start advocating for you on their end. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's one. Um, Obviously, terms, financing terms, the strength in financing – Inspections is a big one that has been um, kind of teetering lately in a big controversial way. Um, How do you buy a house that's $300,000 and not get an inspection? You don't. You get an inspection. But then are you just walking in allowing the seller to walk away without having to do any repairs? Possibly. Right. Right now. Right, so you're using the inspection to kind of identify a catastrophic defect in a house yes. that would make you want to walk away from the deal. So you're, but you're not using it. See, some some there is a way that you could use an inspection like that as a negotiating tool, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, sure. I mean, in a, in like a in a non above board way, you know, like because I've seen people do it with appraisals, like an offer. You offer something, you know the house isn't going to appraise out, so you got the appraisal writer. So you sure. know we just offer some crazy amount to win. Then we get the seller locked in, and sellers never want to put houses back on the market. You know, like a house back on the market's no good. 
So they wait for that appraisal to come in low. Oh, look, your appraisal came in low. Now we got to bring the price down, you know. And so, well, it's there like, are a lot of uh, that's yeah, very shady. knowledgeable, good agents that would not just allow that. Sure. So right. if you have a good agent, your agent will tell you we have this great price, but then we have this appraisal writer as well. Right. I mean, are they putting uh, appraisal gap coverage in or are they waiving the appraisal? Sure, that number looks great and, you know, you're seeing stars and you're seeing dollar signs. But in the end, the appraisal writer will stop that from happening. So do they have the funds to back up an increase, you know, if we go back and we negotiate that? So you have to keep that in mind as well. More? More? <laughs> I always want more. Come uh, on. No. Well. Um, well, that's just yeah, that yeah, based on no, your right, comment. Right. No, no. The, the, thing I, the thing I was going to say, and this, this is huge because it, it comes up a lot, is the communication piece. So you had mentioned uh, reaching out through more than text, like in a personal way. Sure. To, you know, and that you, in, know you know, to deliver I mean, that offer. That endears uh, yeah. another human being to you. Um, I mean, I was one of the, I wasn't the number one highest offer in that 17 group, mm-hmm. but I did receive a phone call saying, you know, we've been talking this whole time. I really feel like your guys would be great for this house, but they'd have to do this. And in the end, we couldn't. Right. We couldn't go that way far out of their means however you know but you knew that just told me that i was doing the right things right for my clients and and representing my clients the best i could and they saw that as well right so they you know didn't want to pass up on that but they came to the realization that we will find the one for them and i will always advocate for them so um, you know, that it, it makes me think of a, a case recently where, um, it was the seller was worried about, you know, tying up the house, you know, like just, you know, you know, just what I said with a borrower, that's not, you know, the pre-approval is not worth the paper that it's printed on. <laughs> he told me, and I go, I, I get it, right? I get it because you don't know me. You don't know who it is, you know, you've had bad experiences before. Um, it was an institutional seller and, um, talking to this person and, um, you know, I said, look, I, go, I, I, I get that. I agree with you, but I'm on the phone. I'm talking to you. I'm telling you face to face, well, through the phone, face to face, um, that this is as solid as you're ever going to get for this. Right. So this is my reputation that I'm putting on the line with you I'm giving you my word. It's not a guarantee. I can't promise you that they'll close because I, I can't, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see the future. But what I can tell you is that this wasn't just something that was like cranked through a line and done in passing and we're going to figure it out later. I've done all the work on it already. We're, we're, we're as solid as we can possibly be at this point. You know, the wild card in this is, is the house. Is it going to appraise out? What's title work going to look like? Things like that. So are you able to, so I've been seeing it here, there and everywhere as a seller's agent and also offering as a buyer's agent. Um, 
getting these these folks fully underwritten than waiving financing? You could. You could. Um, it's, you know, I, it depends on what you are going to want to protect yourself against. I mean, I, honestly, with you know, you know, with all of this, right? There is no, you know, loan contingency date comes around, and there's like a, like a signal going off in in the background that looks at, okay, show me what you got, and it's like your homework is due, right? Oh, you're not done. F, you're failed. Now we're on to the next one. Loan contingency date comes around for whatever reason. Let's just say that I. I didn't have it final, underwritten, finished, ready to close, right? Because the appraiser took three extra days and we were tied on the time frame anyway. Um, and we just, you know, we're gonna, we have plenty of time because there was a, there's a week left. We've got more than enough time, you know, to do all this, but are all the T's crossed and are they, all the I's dotted? No, right? But I can see everything. I've got everything. It's all in. We just have to finish the paperwork. I'll issue loan commitment, right? Even though the underwriter has not issued final on it yet. I've got, I've got that, or maybe the clear to close. We have final, but not clear. I mean, it's, this is industry jargon, right? But it's, it's, there is no like, like your homework's due and you have to like, show me what you got. It's, you know, are we good? In so some that day cases, can go by, yeah. In some cases, I will say, so I currently have, um, a deal where the seller is purchasing a week prior. He was fully underwritten, um, but we went about $10,000 over. He has those funds just in case. Mm-hmm. However, we're closing on his home a week later. So our loan commitment for his sale was yesterday. So we, the lender told us if we could produce the loan commitment letter and the commitment to lend and move forward, that they would also, that would change his debt to income ratio, the DTI, and he would get that additional 10. So he wouldn't have to use those funds, which is a huge deal to him. Right. So, um, so that's why we requested a formal loan commitment letter. Right. So. Yeah, and sometimes they need them, but it just the point is it's not like like the closing date is a like you got, you got to show up, right? You got to have something there on oh, that. Sure. The loan commitment <laughs> date is more of a, you know, it's it, it's like a it's like your it's your parachute, like your ripcord date. Like it's this is your last chance to buy. I always tell say, my and, clients yeah. that it's the lender's due date. Yeah, mm. exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so is this a good just, spot to take a break here? Yeah, we will get. I, can you stay around? Can you stay I've with us? More, sure. I've got, I've got more I want to ask you. Um, go to break, and we'll be right back. Okay. Bye. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stel Pontikas. That's a creator and host of the show, Michael Midget. Angie Wilder is here in the studio with us, and we will all be back right after this quick break. Welcome back to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stel Pontikas, the host and creator of the show. Michael Midget is here with us in the studio, along with our special guest, Angie Wilder. Very special. And uh, you're doing a, a great job, Angie. It's Thanks. great to have you here in the studio. Thanks, Stel. And uh, Michael, continue the conversation. 
All right. We got a good one here today. So in case you haven't heard, rates are going up, mm. right? So inflation, yep, it's still there. Market, market, market-driven factors making it still go up. But now we've got the artificial factor of, hey, we need to raise more revenue for the loan, for the loan giants. We got to raise the rates on people effectively done through increased fees. But that ultimately translates into a rate increase for people. Not proportionately applied across all people that borrow money. So it's this, it's it's encouraging what some have said is l- more risky lending and borrowing mm. and disfavoring or disencouraging, discouraging. Um, <laughs> I like how you got there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I got to feel, hey, you know what? We're just sometimes, some days we're just hanging by a string here. Um, no, it's just, it's, it's not, this is complex, right? So in just, I mean, I, my eyeballs are spinning around trying to completely wrap my mind around this to be able to simplify it to a point where you could actually talk about it with regular people, right? And then there's a further complication that we're doing it on the radio, right? So even though you can watch us on the radio, you can, I don't have a whiteboard here where I can draw on it because if we were meeting face-to-face like I do sometimes with people, um, we could do that. I could show you stuff, right? It's easier to relay. Oh, exactly. It's yeah. Visual. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm a very visual person, so um, that, that that tends to help out. But one of the things that I have come up or come across, something a question in my mind, has to do with the way that the increases are being applied across the full spectrum of borrowers, the way that some are being rewarded and others are being penalized, right? And sellers generally want more qualified looking borrowers, right? So they prefer a conventional approved buyer over other buyers, we'll just say. Um, I don't always agree with that. In fact, I don't I, I almost never agree with it because it's not it doesn't, it's not an accurate dictator of the likelihood with which a deal is going to close, but it's perceived that way. All right. But because, so something I haven't not said yet, um, just because we just didn't get there is that, um, so I already said that lower credit scores, they're paying more, but they're not paying proportionately more compared to the better credit score people. When you go into the other piece of that bucket, which is the down payment. So, the 20% down payment people, which I said they're the ones that are bearing the largest brunt of, actually the 15% people and the 20% people are paying the largest brunt of this, your rates actually get better as you put less money down. Hmm. What? I mean, it makes no sense, right? You're supposed to, I mean, like Dave Ramsey is just rolling over right now. I mean, like he probably can't <laughs> believe, you know, he's like, I don't get, you know, like when the, that what's would going be a on. a good with, show. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's how new all this is with the thinking because it's just, you know, it's why it's blown up everywhere. Um, it doesn't make sense, right? So there is a way to, so back, you know, strategy piece here, right? Go in, put less money down so you can get a better rate come back and recast it, put the rest of the money down later, recast. It's just like you did. It's just like you did, did the loan with the larger down payment, except you didn't get hit with the same rate bump because 
when you put less money down, you paid a lower rate, okay? I'm imagining what sellers will think when they see all these contracts come in with 3% down. Like, what happened to all the people with down payments? That creates a problem. So, what, what do we care who I sell to? <laughs> if, you know, I mean, if they cl- as long as they close, right? Well, all right. Loans that are at those lower down payments have more of an issue with the appraisal gap stuff, just so you know. So, like, when places, you, you, you probably already knew that. <laughs> um, listener, if you <laughs> did not know less, that, right. less liquid funds to put in. Right. Or you've got, you, you have room to lower the underwritten down payment portion. So like an 80%, like a 20% down payment might become a 13% down payment because the appraisal came in lower. We don't have to change anything. It's just a, it's just a rate spread difference. And that can sometimes be massaged out if, if you know what you're doing. Um, But that's how you get to this stuff that sometimes lenders will talk about gap insurance or appraisal gap insurance or mm-hmm. like how they, how they, how they do that. Mm-hmm. You can't do that on a 3% or a 5% down loan because there's no, there's no fat there. So that's where you got to have the buyers that have the extra capital in the bank, right? Well, most of the time when I pre-approve people and I've had the conversations with them before is, you know, like, we're not going to put that on the you know we're not going to put that on the application. I don't want the I don't want the seller to know that I could pay more than what I'm offering. I want them to think that we're like you know this is this is where we're at. I don't want them to think that I'm you know whatever. Like don't worry about that. Our you know when we make the offer when we put this package together that will we're not going to share anything about you that we don't that you know that we don't need to share. All right. Um. So sellers don't know that that extra powder is in the in in the cabinet over here, you know, in case they need it. So I'm just thinking, like, what would you think? Like, would this be an issue for you as a listing agent? When so all there's these sellers come out and want to you to sell their house for them to these buyers that you get. Okay. So <laughs> you're asking me if my sellers look at. Most don't even know what they're looking at. Well, let's let's say you get two offers in, right? Okay. Um, you don't know what their credit scores are. It's not on the contract, no, right? Of course not. But you do know what they're planning on putting down. So let's say you get let's say it's a five offer deal. Okay. Um, you get two of them at uh, one at twenty five percent down, one at twenty percent down, one at ten, and one at three. Right. Somebody's going to go home ready or home one or home possible or something like that. And they're all well-qualified borrowers, let's say, right? All conventional financing. Does that come into play? You as a yes, real, not you individually, me, maybe. But. I look at that and I present everything. I bullet point all the facts. So sure, this one's offering five grand over, but are they going to have trouble down the road because they don't have those funds? Um, So I, I absolutely always make sure they're aware of what type of loan, what the down payment is to be, et cetera. Um, You know, I've had, I've had a deal where I was looking at multiples with the seller and they really liked this VA contract, but they had one for cash. Yeah. 
and but the one had some terms on inspection and the other one didn't. Um, So they decided to go with the cash, even though they were a VA family Mm -hmm. themselves. And it ended up burning them because she changed her mind, Mm -hmm. didn't like the style of the house. That's what it came down to. But it was presented to me in an inspection. Right. So, but then... The VA buyer was gone once we came back. Yep. So we did. We found around. someone new and we found a better deal, but you never know. Yep. Yep. It's it's a risk. Yep. So I'm just thinking of all the conversations I'm gonna have with <laughs> with with this with this with the listing agents. Like I know it looks like we're putting a minimum amount of money down, but there's like a benefit to doing that over here that we've really got more power here so that if we come up with some issues with appraisal or with whatever, you know, if you're, if you're worried about the quality of the borrower, you're not going to be able to discern that anymore based on the amount of the down payment. Cause there's external uh, incentives based on what this is now being done in the system here um, that you're not going to be able, that you're not going to be able to tell or see. So well, for instance, when we purchased our second home, we went, FHA, because we had been seasoned enough that we could do it again. Um, and we did it because it was cheaper for us, right. not because we couldn't go conventional right. and couldn't put 20% down, which we could have. Um, but based on what you suggest suggested mm-hmm. for us, that's the way we went, and it worked out better for us. Now, in this type of market, we would not be able to do Mm, we yeah. just wouldn't because no one, I mean, all of the, it's harder and harder for mm-hmm. those buyers. Yeah. Higher rates reduce choices right. for people. It's like a tax on the system. Mm-hmm. You're pulling capital out that can't be used for other things. So how do we get a hold of you again? My cell phone, you can call or text anytime, 573-579-6548. Okay. And AngieWilder.com. Angie Wilder. Dot com, Angie Wilder, sells at gmail.com. Sellers, if you're thinking of maybe selling, she's got buyers. So um, Work with someone who knows financing. Yep. yep. That's the other Good. thing I was going to say. You do, yep. you do well with knowing the financing and working that in, into the piece. Pleasure to work with you from my end especially. So appreciate that. Um, HomeWiseRadio.com, as always, mortgage website, MindGoShelter.com. Call or text my phone number direct, local here, 314-275-0314. That wraps up this edition of HomeWise Radio. I'm Stel Pontikas. That's Michael Midget, the creator and host of the show. Angie Wilder, thanks for joining us in the studio. Thanks for having thanks, me, Stel. Thanks, Angie. It's been fun. Nice to meet you. And uh, we will have another edition of HomeWise Radio coming your way next week. Hope you'll join us. Thanks. Loans and loan information provided by Shelter Mortgage, Inc. Visit us at GoShelter.com and MLS number 192609. A Missouri residential mortgage licensee and equal housing lender. Call 888-497-2558 for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply.